0: Thank you everybody for joining me tonight for this episode of Patriot Strong. Um, I have a very special guest here with me, going to share his story about his beautiful daughter and her story. Um, so, um, So without further ado, Scott, thank you so much for joining me. It is an honor and a pleasure.
1: Well, the the honor's mine. I I, uh, I really appreciate when when hosts will have me on to share the story because that's uh, that's a primary motivation is to get this story out so it doesn't happen to anybody else. So thank you for
0: having me. And uh, um, you know he's joining me today to share the story of Grace, his daughter, who uh, you know was. Uh, completely, uh, in my opinion, after hearing the story, murdered by the hospitals and the medical care system. Um, Scott, can you share a little bit about that? You know, what all started that? I know Grace was admitted to a hospital for respiratory issues. Is that correct?
1: So she had COVID and and ultimately she couldn't maintain her oxygen saturation above 90 percent and that's what motivated us to take her to the hospital we were on the frontline doctor's protocol so we really didn't think anything of it and uh, we really never thought we'd ever go to the hospital but i ended up in a different hospital three days after grace died and found out that because of a genetic disposition that i have to produce inflammation and clotting that likely grace inherited from me uh, that's that's um the likely reason why we were, uh, both had low oxygen saturation and ended up in the hospital.
0: And, um, you know, I've read the articles um, and uh, listened to many documentaries, or not documentaries, but interviews that you have done. Can you just kind of go through the timeline of Grace's stay whenever she was admitted to the hospital? you know, how the doctors treated her specific case. Uh, I know that your older daughter was in the hospital room with her you know, during the, the most important times. And can you just kind of go into that?
1: Sure. So this was all took place last October. Uh, we went to the emergency room on October 6th. I was with Grace at that point. Uh, the emergency room physician suggested that we check into the hospital. And I assumed it was going to be a three to four day vacation with my best buddy. And so um, they objected to me staying, but then I just told them that if I don't stay, I'll be taking Grace home. And they deliberated that challenge. And after about two hours, came back and said, we decided you can stay. So I was with Grace um, October 6th in the emergency room, October 7th, 8th, 9th, and then uh, on the 10th. I was taken out by an armed guard, but what happened on the seventh, eighth, and ninth, you know, was you know, it, there was an overall attitude and arrogance. But I mean, I, that was not abnormal to me. I've been in the hospital before, and you know, they they know more than you, and so it, it, it came across stronger than typical. Um, and I'll, I can give an example to just show that the COVID the COVID doctor in charge, um, his name was Doctor Zymet, he really had a uh, super arrogant attitude. In fact, it was, he's probably only one of two people I've had to tell in my life that if, if they don't stop talking to me, that way I'm going to hang up. And he was very um, he was very arrogant, aloof. And anyway, an example would be, he suggested that we put Grace on a drug called Toxalizumab. And so I asked him to spell that so I could look it up. He did. And so then I looked it up. I called a doctor who is a friend and she looked it up also. And we concluded that this drug uh, is not something we would want Grace to be on. So we, um, so then he asked my decision and I told him that we decided no. And the reason is, is because the New England Journal of Medicine did a study on this drug and the placebo group actually did better than the, the group on the drug, and the drug had multiple side effects. You know, so he was angry over that. Um, And so that attitude, though, it really doesn't clue you in that they're going, you know, that they have an agenda. It just clues you in that, okay, well, you just have to be on guard. That's why I'm there. I'm an advocate for grace. Um, the, The push for a ventilator was another situation. So on October 9th, or excuse me, October 8th, a pulmonologist came in and said, you're going to need to put your daughter on a ventilator in the next two hours. And I said, well, what is that based on? And he said it was based on the blood gas draw they did the night before. And we had some struggles with Grace the night before with oxygen. And I told him, I don't think that number is objective based on what happened the evening before. And so they retook the numbers and Grace was fine. But at that point, I didn't know that ventilators really kiss the death. You know, I asked him what the prognosis is if Grace was on a ventilator. And he said only 20% of people walk out alive once they're on a ventilator with COVID. So then I started researching because I had the COVID or the, excuse me, the paradigm relative to ventilators, that it's just a tool that they would use for COVID. Because when COVID first was introduced, President Trump had said that, our country has a ventilator shortage and we need to produce ventilators. So I just thought, well, it's just a tool they use. Well, as I researched it, then I found out that the fact is only 15% of people walk out alive once they're put on a ventilator with COVID. And most of those people die in the first year because of the complications from when they had the ventilator in. So we knew at that point we weren't going to put Grace on a ventilator. They asked us four times subsequent to that first time to give them a pre-approval for a ventilator just in case it was needed. And just in case was mean, would mean when, when the hospital decided to put Grace on a ventilator, which I found out after Grace died and doing uh, an awful lot of research that there's a huge financial motivation to put a patient on a ventilator to the tune of, of about $300,000 that the hospital makes if they can convince the patient or their advocate to pull the trigger on a ventilator. So we thankfully, Grace never uh, was on a ventilator. Um, ultimately, you know, as we go through that timeline, I was taken out by an armed guard on the 10th, which was on a Sunday. And then we had to negotiate with, with our um, special needs attorney. We had to hire Grace's special needs attorney to negotiate against the hospital attorney to get an advocate in. Uh, my wife couldn't do it at that time because she had COVID. And then my daughter, Jessica became the replacement advocate. So we had 44 hours without advocacy. And, you know, you, you started this out saying that you believe it's murder. And it took me an awful long time to believe that myself at the beginning, just about every host was calling it murder, but I'm analytical and I don't want to, I don't want to convict before I have the facts, but over the last several weeks, I have uncovered so many facts in Grace's case. I have about 600 hours of personal research now in this case. And it's pushed me over to the top that I have been saying over this last week that I believe that this was premeditated murder. (coughs) And as I walk through this last day, um, I'm going to share the details and then, you know, you and your audience can decide that for, for yourself. But Before I jump into that, do you have any other questions right now?
0: I am, I don't have any questions up to that point. I know, what did you say the medication was that the doctor said she would be prescribed? And I know there was one that she was given like four doses of, right?
1: Well, she was, it was toxilisumab was the one that he was recommending and we did not do that. So what, you know, so Grace was on oxygen and then she was on a steroid, but ultimately uh, Starting October 9th, she was put on a sedation med called Presidex, which Presidex is is a serious is a serious deal. Uh, so there's really three three causes of death relative to Grace's death. So the first one is the sedation drug called Presidex, and it's being used. It, it doesn't get any of the press because Remdesivir gets the press, but Rem but uh, Presidex is extremely common. They're putting it, they're giving it to patients because it sets up a ventilator, which is their goal. So that's why they're doing it. And the, the the nurses who use this drug are anesthesia nurses. This is a drug that knocks you out for surgery. And they will tell you that it should only be used for three hours. The package insert for that drug says it's only supposed to be used for a maximum of 24 hours. And the package insert is a serious document. That's, the, that's their law they're supposed to follow. Yeah. And so they started Grace on this drug on October 9th. What's significant outside of the fact that that drug killed her along with, so that's the first cause of death, which I'm going to drill down. But what's significant outside of that is as soon as a patient goes on Presidex, their room gets classified from a regular room to an ICU room. Grace never changed rooms and the care never changed, but the amount of money the hospital received increased because the room was now classified as ICU. Second of all, if we would have wanted to take Grace out, it wasn't, wouldn't be just, we just sign her out because once a patient's on a sedation med, it's called against medical advice, so you can't just walk them out anymore. So... That is, there's so many take home messages here from a practical basis, but that's one of them, is don't let your loved one get on Presidex or any sedation med because you lose, you lose control. <coughs> then, why I've come to the conclusion that this is one of the causes of death is, I was on Stu Peters a couple of weeks ago and they asked me to drill down Presidex, so I was rereading the package insert, which I've read before, but then I had remembered I've read these words before. So I pulled out Grace's death certificate the next day. And so I'm just going to read this so you get a a picture as to why I'm saying Presidex caused her death. Uh, It says on the package insert, adverse reactions associated with infusions greater than 24 hours. So Grace was on this drug four full days before her last day, October 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. For the 44 hours when we did not have an advocate, they increased the dosage of Presidex seven different times. <clears throat> Infusions greater than 24 hours in duration, the side effects include ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome, syndrome, respiratory failure, and agitation. On Grace's death certificate, the first cause of death is acute respiratory failure with hypoxemia. Wow. So you can see, I just read that use of Presidex more than 24 hours causes respiratory failure. Acute respiratory failure was the immediate cause of death. So the Presidex caused your death. Presidex also causes hypoxemia, which is low oxygen saturation. The second cause of death is COVID-19 pneumonia, which of course it is because then they they get a $13,000 death bonus for killing her. Then we move, you know, so now we'll, we'll move into, um, October 12th, which was the day before Grace died. And I just want to set this up because the doctor confirmed it the next morning. So Jessica was with Grace. She had a good day, even though Grace was sleepy. At this point, we don't know why she's so sleepy. We just think, well, she's in the hospital. You know, you sleep a lot. They have alarms going off. Not realizing she's sleepy because they have her sedated. In spite of her being sedated, she sits up in bed. Jess calls her two boys, Grace's nephews. Before bedtime, and Grace hollers through the BiPAP, hi, boys. She just was herself, typical Grace. Um, just monitored her oxygen all night long. It was at 98%, 99% the whole night. Uh, the doctor then called Cindy and I, to. I I'm going to go through Grace's last day because this is where you see the second and third causes of death. So the doctor called Cindy and I at 8 o'clock in the morning on Grace's last day. And his purpose of his call was to ask us our decision on a ventilator again. He had called us the evening before talking about it. So um he, he wanted us to make a decision overnight. So he called for this pre-authorization again and we told him no. Then he said, um, Grace had such a good day yesterday. I think we should start working on nutrition. Grace was malnourished at this point because they wouldn't let me feed her. They wouldn't let Jess feed her. And they only gave her a few of these sugary protein shakes instead of taking care of her. They sedated her instead. And so now she's malnourished. So the doctor says, I think we should get her on some nutrition so we can start working toward getting her out. And so then he recommends a feeding tube. Grace already had a pick line so they could use TPN food. But he recommended against that because of the, the potential for an infection with the bacteria that can get in a pick line. So we foolishly agree to this feeding tube. And you'll see why I say foolishly as we go with the story. So now what's significant about the last two days of Grace's life is that there was a 14 year ICU nurse in charge of Grace's case. And that means 14 years of experience as an ICU nurse, that's on top of the experience she had as a regular nurse so she's in charge of grace's care jessica shortly after we got off the phone with the doctor said to the nurse that she was going to take a shower and the nurse said well you can't take one in the room and jessica said well my dad was able to take one in the room and she said well i don't care what we did with your dad we're not allowing you to do that and so Jessica being at least a little fearful that she would get kicked out because I was kicked out three days earlier, went home. Before she left, she said to Grace, hey, I'm gonna go home and take a shower, is that okay? And Grace gave her the thumbs up that everything's okay. <coughs> so she, she went home, took a shower. She was back inside of an hour. When she got back, she overheard two doctors in the hallway. And this nurse say the family's not going to like this. So she asked, what are they going to like? And they tell her that they had to restrain Grace while she was gone. Let's think about the timing of this. So they just happened to have to restrain Grace while Jessica was gone. So what is, so Jess asked, what's the reason? So restraining mean they strapped her down to the bed. And she said, what's the reason? They said, well, she wanted to get out of bed and go to the bathroom. So instead of helping her out of the bed, which, you know, if you and I were in the bed, we're not going to let them strap us down. We would say, you know, get another nurse in and help me. But Grace, being just an obedient kid, I mean, Grace was 19 years old. She had Down syndrome. She was just a lover. Um, she just obediently followed the directions that they gave. And uh, so ultimately, they make her poop in the bed. So. Now Jessica's back, they unstrap Grace, and instead of waiting for Grace's numbers to rebound, they increase the sedation drug again. And remember, she's already on this over four days at this point. Then instead of waiting for the numbers to rebound, they go right to the feeding tube. So now Grace is genuinely agitated. Jessica tried to comfort her saying, mom and dad approve this because we got to get your nutrition up to get you ready to go home. And at 1048, They took Grace to near max dose of Brecinex, 1048 that morning. So now Grace is literally knocked out because that's the drug you use for surgery. Remember two hours earlier, she just gave Jessica a hug, but now she's knocked out. In spite of being knocked out, they gave her at 1125 a dose of lorazepam, which is an anti-anxiety med. So, I mean, that makes no sense. She's already knocked out. What is she anxious about? At 546, they gave her another dose of lorazepam, but 549, another dose of lorazepam. So in in three minutes, they gave her two more doses. And at 615, they gave her a two milligram dose of morphine. So this becomes the second cause of death. Those three meds in her system in 29 minutes, none of us could have made it through that. And it's worse than that because not only did the doctor who had somewhere between 11 and 20 years experience according to the hospital's website, order the, the meds. A pharmacist had to sign off on that order. The package insert for morphine says to not combine those meds because it causes death. So that means the alarm for the hospital went off. So they had to override the alarm. And an ICU nurse with 14 years of experience made the choice to give her those meds. So, I mean, you can't make that up. It's so egregious. So that's the second cause of death. The third cause cause of death is probably the worst and that's coming up. So now Jessica feels Grace getting cold. And so she asked this ICU nurse to come in and take a temp. Instead of coming in the room, the package insert for morphine says, they're supposed to monitor the patient and keep the reversal drug bedside. None of that happened. No nurse or doctor stuff put into that room after they gave Grace the morphine. So this nurse says to Jessica, that's normal that your sister's getting cold. Just cover her with a blanket. Jessica called Cindy and I at 720 on FaceTime, panicking. She said, Dad, Grace's numbers are dropping like crazy. I said, get the nurses in. She said, I've been trying. They won't come in. She estimated 30 nurses in the hall at this time because of shift change. So Cindy and I, my wife's name is Cindy, we start screaming, save our daughter. And they holler back, she's DNR, which stands for do not resuscitate. This is the first we knew she's DNR. So if we holler back, she's not DNR, save our daughter. They would not step foot into that room. They could have administered the reversal drug and saved her but they chose to not do it. Jessica ran in the hall at that point to find out what's happening. One of the nurses had the DNR order up on her computer screen and said the doctor put a DNR order on Grace and we can't do anything about it. So we watched her die on FaceTime at 727. Subsequent to Grace dying, God arranged a meeting with Tom Renz and I, I can't explain it other than God's sovereign Uh, Will, so I mean, he, he introduced us to Tom Renz and Tom hired a medical malpractice nurse. She reviewed the records and said, Scott, you're missing at least a thousand pages. What? And so (coughs) she helped write a new request to get the additional pages. And we got another 948 pages. And on page 853, we call it the smoking gun because that's where the doctor put the DNR order on Grace. It was done at 10.56 that morning. You'll remember from the story at 10.48 is, is after they had put her on near max dose precedent. So eight minutes later, they put the DNR order on. And one of the attorneys who reviewed the, that detail said that he believes that they had to put that DNR order on Grace at that time because they thought the precedent was going to take her out. Oh, it's, it's sick beyond belief. And to make matters worse, there's two more points I want to cover before ending, and then you can ask questions. Uh, one is after after the fact, Jessica. That night, she told us that there was an armed guard posted outside the room, and we presume it was to prevent the nurses from coming in and saving Grace. Oh and we know God. we know he was posted because after Grace died, Jessica crawled in bed with her waiting for me to bring Cindy to the hospital. And that armed guard stood outside and watched Jessica the entire time through the nurse's window. And we found out there was a period of time after Grace died, they could still revive her. So that's presumably why he was outside there. Then what happened after everything was over in the hospital room, um, my wife was being uh, in a wheelchair. Our pastor was there and he wheeled her out in a wheelchair. And one of the nurses had Grace's belongings on a cart and she was next to Cindy walking out and leaned down and told Cindy that me and several of the other nurses don't think Grace should have died today. And ultimately that honest nurse is what has got us thinking about and pursuing uh, this case. And it's gotten, uh, it's, it's so egregious, but ultimately that's the, that's the story that got us here today.
0: Now, can you share the hospital she was admitted to, you know, the doctors that were on her case that did all of this? And do you know where they are now? Are they being punished for their monstrous actions? I Can not believe this?
1: Yeah, Grace died at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Appleton, Wisconsin. It's part of Ascension Hospital System. The doctor who ordered the meds was Dr. Gavin Shokar. Uh, the nurse who delivered the meds was Holly McGinnis. Um, So, I mean, I don't bring that up unless somebody asks it because that's not the goal. And have they been punished? The answer is no. Will they be punished? Um, So the the reason I say no is because we didn't file a claim against the nurse because it's now become a waste of time. But we did file a claim against the doctor with the state agency and the hospital with the state agency that regulates hospitals. And both of them did an investigation, which I have the results posted on Grace's website. And it came back and in spite of me sending them all the research, um, they said they did no wrong. So that really got me into what's going on with, wow. with, with this whole situation because how can you say they did no wrong? And so it, it got me to the point where I realized, well, the government is in on this. So it was you know, the, the hospitals, not all of them, I mean, the hospital that I went to after Grace died did a great job. They saved my life. So they're not all in on this, but the ones that are, you know they've become an, an extension of the government. and so when the government investigates the government, what do you think is going to happen? Um, yeah. But you know, ultimately, you know, we're we have a case that we're working on right now with Tom Renz. um justice will probably take place, but you know what we're after more than that is you know, this is, is egregious. I mean, you, you really want the people to repent of what they did because you don't want even your worst enemy. And they're not my enemy. I mean, God changed my heart to forgive them. Um, you know, it, it, you can't do that on your own. But I mean, ultimately, what you want to have happen is that they repent so they don't spend eternity in hell. Now, oh,
0: you said... um all of this information
1: is on grace's website correct what what website is that I can share that it's um the website is ouramazinggrace.net and the, re- the research related to grace's case is under the tragedy tab uh, there's all kinds of other research on the website <coughs> related to um, the money trail um, what I have come to believe that this is a genocide, so the genocide research is is there. Um, there's There's so many things that that um, that I've been led to research as part of Grace's case. And you know it's, it's the website changes uh, every couple of days just because we're posting new things. And there's also resources uh, because we've discovered some things that we want to make available to the public.
0: Sure. And I know. Before you mentioned the money trail, and, you know, that's one of the things that we've learned throughout the past two years, just in general, the bonuses that hospitals and doctors are getting and the grant money that's going through for the, you know, COVID deaths. So you have to think of two things. If it's for the COVID deaths, how many past instances have occurred where hospitals get grant money for, like, jotting down, this is the result of you know a or b or c and the second thing this is the first time that i have heard such horrific events because you were able to share grace's story so how many other times has this happened that you know people or their their parents couldn't stand up or fight for it it's it's horrible evil disgusting you know all of it
1: those are good questions so Dr. Peter McCullough who just coincidentally I had the opportunity to meet and and we rode to the airport together on Sunday so I got a re- nice chance to talk with him one-on-one for 45 minutes yeah you know, he brought up early on that there's no research component to this this uh, pandemic you know it's all bonus money yeah. to the hospitals versus you know so the hospitals are getting paid to diagnose somebody a certain way to treat them a certain way, which causes death, then they also get a bonus when they die. It doesn't make any sense. Um, as far as other cases, you know, Grace, what Grace's cases is, is the tip of the iceberg. I would tell you there's tens of thousands of cases. We have 49 of them already posted to Grace's website, and there's other websites that are posting cases. Well, wow. the issue is is most people are unaware because. They get the call. So there, there's three things going on that, that make people unaware. Number one is that the hospitals are getting an awful lot of money. And so most people just think a hospital is, is a good place. They trust in the white coat. So the hospital is getting money that's doing, uh, doing an evil deed. And people just think, well, it can't be that bad. So that's number one. Number two is they have immunity from liability yeah. under the PREP Act if they follow the script that the government is dictating and number three and most important with your question is there's a shroud of secrecy because they have convinced the public that you can't they've convinced the public that this COVID thing is is a big deal which it's not and then they've convinced them well you can't go in the room so most of these deaths think about they took grace out while we were there most of these deaths I would tell you are 10 times worse than grace's but people just accept it you know, so they get the note, notice that your loved one died Oh, he died of COVID. They don't get the records. They just assume it's okay. And then the government, through a sleight of hands, they, they pay these people $9,000 to cover their or as a contribution towards their funeral expenses. So they think, oh, wow, this is such a great thing. My government is even taking care of the funeral. Well, they caused the funeral. So we rejected that funeral money because my wife said, and she's right, she said, we don't want their dirty money. Um, you know, so that's, that's what's going on. You know, and the reason that we're talking so much about what happened to Grace is that this is not the COVID protocol that they used on most people. With Most people, they use remdesivir in a bed. That's how they took yeah. them out. Grace had neither. So I'm here to tell you that this protocol, which I just described with Grace is already the standard of care in the UK. Wow. This is going to be the standard of care in the United States. And so you've got to get educated beforehand so that you're fully aware. You've got to vet these hospitals before you go in and pay attention to every detail, challenge everything. Because the government is using the hospital to do their dirty work, which is on a macro level to reduce our population. Yeah, and the first, the first people to go are the disabled and the elderly. And that's, that's what I have come to believe as to why Grace was taken out.
0: And I have a daughter with disabilities as well. So whenever I <coughs> heard this story, you know, it just, it hit home. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through.
1: Thank you, Courtney. I hope this saves your daughter and anybody with a special needs daughter or, or son. This is, this is huge. I mean, that's why we keep sharing it. I mean, I'm doing, you know, on average, well, not on average, I don't know, if, last week and this week it's been uh, uh, 25, 30 interviews. I just keep going. As many people who will hear us. I just want to keep going because the national news media is not picking up on this. They don't want to. You know, They don't want the truth to come out on national media. I mean, they're all, they're all hiding it. So we're doing this one podcast at a time and you know i'm hoping that people will share it you know share what we're with social media wherever you can share it just share this so that we can we can get the the world to know this we've estimated that roughly 30 million people have heard grace's story i've been on 150 programs already so we we're we're just working as hard as we can to get this out well
0: thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story and your family's story, and you know everybody is going to know Grace's story and her name and her face, and it's all because of your strength and for you standing up for her, and it it means a lot.
1: Well, oh, thank you. It's don't don't give me the credit though. I, the credit all goes to God. You know He, uh for some reason, um, has not given me a spirit of fear, and He gave me a heart of forgiveness towards the doctor, and nurse who did this, and. Um, you know, I'm hoping, you know, grace loved our Lord. And, you know, through this, I I want people to know that um, God still, wa- God's got this. And th- he, he wants everybody to be reconciled with him. You know, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Um, he was buried and rose from the dead in fulfillment of the scriptures. And those who believe in that, that fact will have eternal life. And that's, that's what, you know, Grace, excuse me. Grace was, was one of his. I got a cold the last couple of days. So this has been a rough, but <coughs> Grace was one of his. And uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, of course, motivated by my best buddy to do this. But God, God's the one that's motivated. So thank you for having me.
0: Uh, just one quick thing. Uh, something that I, I really, really loved and I wanted to share with my audience. Uh, I heard on other interviews that Grace would always tell everybody that she was named after one of God's prospects or
1: like one of one of God's principles so yeah (laughs) yeah. so how it came so when Grace was born my wife and I were 39 years old and we had made a conscious choice we thought well we, we already have a 14 year old son Travis a 12 year old daughter Jessica and we just thought, we're, let's let God lead in the baby department. So at 39, uh, my wife got pregnant and he blessed us with grace. We, na- we named her grace after God's grace. And so then once she, she learned who she was or how she was named, she would proudly tell people that she'd say, I was named after one of God's principles. So it was, it was very, it was cute.
0: I and love she, that.
1: Yeah, it, it, what was really special to me? I mean, she she started calling me earthly dad, and she called my wife earthly mom. I mean, so she had a sense; she had a really a, a great sense of where things fit.
0: Yeah, it's really special, you know, to have that connection and like spirituality at such a young age, and yes, I, I loved that. Like that part stood out whenever I listened to you on, uh, I think it was SGT that was brought up. Yes. And I loved that. Loved it so much. It's so special.
1: Well, Grace was a special kid.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, uh, you know, I often wonder why did God pick us? we <coughs> was nobody special. We certainly, I mean, I spend most of my waking hours sinning. So why did he pick a sinner like me to have such a great kid um that I mean I just she was she was a gift I mean, we had an angel walking around with us for 19 years the you know I just I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard during the 19 years I always thought my role was to to work hard so that we could have enough of a nest egg set aside for grace after Cindy and I died and you know unfortunately uh I was you know I was wrong and so I, I just wish that I wouldn't have worked so hard I could spend some more time with with her because she I mean she was just uh, she was just an absolute blast and she she had and on top of everything else she had a sense of humor she, <laughs> she was a funny kid so thank you
0: thank you again just so much for joining me I know telling this story has to be hard but it's really, it's doing great things, you know, people are learning, and they're, they're learning to question, you know, things that they don't fit, or they don't seek to be fit, so what you're doing is amazing, and I praise, praise your strength for being able to do this over, and over, and over again, really.
1: Well, thanks, I mean, again, I'm going to give the credit to God, right, I uh, have had as many as six podcasts in a day and I've had some that call even so I have five in and they'll somebody will call and say hey can you do another one yet today you know with that short of (laughs) notice and then you start thinking well you know this is this this has the potential to save somebody's life And you know grace is gone so I I always do them
0: well absolutely and thank you so much you guys this is one of the most important interviews that I have ever done and I hope that it helps you or inspires you please like and share you know this this interview with your family and friends because you never know who it's going to help thank you so much that's right on Courtney thank you too